Genre. Hello, and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie, The Two Towers, one event that hasn't happened in an age at a time. (laughs) I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 157, which starts with Treebeard finishing his his sentence from yesterday, which takes a while, really. The Ents have not troubled about the wars of men and wizards for a very long time. And then he never really stops speaking. But something is about to happen. That has not happened for an age. <laughs> Entmoot. And it ends with the Ents moving closer out of the woods. Yes. And how? We have made it to Entmoot. Finally. <laughs> ah! Man, I forgot how, how like close these two scenes are, Entmoot. And Theoden getting armored up. Yeah. I didn't realize that they were this close to each other. The Ents. They are gathering to discuss important things about the wars of Ben and wizards. Right. I like this this little glade that they are in with, like, the sundial rock. Does it have a sundial on it? Well, it's shaped like a sundial point. Oh, I see. And it's a, it's a circular glade with a little sundial rock in the middle. Hmm. Apparently it is called Durndingle. <laughs> All one word. Durndingle. Um, every time Richard Taylor says it in the commentary. That sounds fake, but okay. Every time Richard Taylor says it in the commentary, I cannot understand what he is trying to say. It sounds like he's saying Durham Dingle as two separate words. That sounds like an unfortunate name, like a given name for somebody. Like Dingle is their last name. Ah, oh, you must be Dern Dingle. Or yeah. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I don't think that's a good name. But yeah, this is this is Dern Dingle, the location for Entmoot. <laughs> it's just fun to say. Treebeard and a bunch of Ents have gathered at Dern Dingle to discuss important matters. Dern Dingle is a very serious place. It's reserved for the most important discussions. Oh my god. The most serious of times. Dern Dingle is the only place suitable for Entmoot. Why are you like this? Because I think it's very funny <laughs> to try to say it with as straight a face as possible. <laughs> it is time to call the ends together. We must go to Dern Dingle. No. I'm trying to drink my tea. <laughs> you butt. So Mary comes off as a little dumb. Oh, a gathering of what? Um, Entmoot. What? What is it? A gathering. A gathering of what? He told you. <laughs> Entmoot. He told you what's happening. So, 
I looked up because I, uh, I don't know. I like words. So I looked up the definition of moot because I knew that it meant a gathering because that's literally what he says in the minute. Um, but also there's the phrase like a moot point. Um, and so the word moot, um, now it means subject to debate, dispute, or uncertainty. And, uh, historically, it was also used as a noun, um, uh, which, you know, is like a gathering. Um, yeah, to refer to an assembly held for debate. Yeah. Especially in Anglo-Saxon and medieval times. When I'm like, okay, is, that jives which, with yeah. what Tolkien was about. That's why Tolkien's using the word. Yeah. Entmut. That's an SAT word. Moot? Yeah. I've always assumed that the word meat comes from moot, oh, not the meet. other way around. Probably. Maybe. Because, you know, as a modern English speaker, moot sounds like a more primitive word than meat. Because of the ooh. Because of the ooh sound instead of the ee sound. I don't know. It just... I don't know. For some reason, boot sounds like a more primitive or like more more simple sound. Simpler word. I don't know how to fully express what I'm trying to get at. But I feel like O sounds are easier to make than E sounds. O sounds are like more primal? Yeah. Like howling. Yeah, but E, like when you scream. I guess. And just when I imagine old English in my mind, there's a lot of oohs and ahs. Yeah, that's and not a true. And not a lot of e's and i's. Yeah, I had um, a professor in college, and we were reading um, Canterbury Tales, and he read some of that for us in like the original Middle English. Because mm. um, he this happened in my class as well, but we did not take this class together. We have probably had the same professor. Yes. <laughs> Uh, cause he was really cool, but yeah, so that, like having heard what at least middle English sounds like, old English is like a completely different animal. Right. But old English is like German. Yeah, it's closer <laughs> to German. Yeah. They but. share, they share a root language. There are lots of vowels going on in middle English. Mm. Lots of long vowel sounds. Uh, so, but then I got confused because I was like, oh, well, isn't a moot point like a trivial point or like something that's not relevant or whatever? Um, and apparently that is a specifically American colloquialism. Like, right. The most famous use I can think of of the phrase moot point is in the song Jesse's Girl. Yeah, the point is probably moot. Yeah, exactly. Because it's hypothetical. Exactly. Because she's what? <laughs> right. I want to tell her that I love her, but the point is probably moot. Like There you go. That's the... When I hear the phrase, a moot point, that's one of the first things that jumps into my brain is that song lyric, because songs are good mnemonics and they make things stick in your mind. Right. So that's the way I've always just been like, well, this is how this word is defined in the context of this song. Which I heard long before I ever really knew what a moot point was. Right. It's just, this obviously means it doesn't matter. 
in the context of this line. Mm-hmm. But then, like, reading, like, reading Tolkien, Entmut, and then obviously it's referring to a meeting. Right. Like, but this meeting matters. And this meeting is incredibly important. So... And at the time, the meaning of using moot to be like, no, that doesn't matter, just didn't exist. I think it existed, but Tolkien is very British. And the the usage that we're talking about, like a trivial or hypothetical situation, is specifically American English. Right, yeah. So, I mean... But how modern of a phrase is it? I don't know. Because I would assume in the last 50 years, how old is that song? That song's not that old. The 80s. Lord of the Rings came out in the 50s. So it's it's possible that that was not a popularized phrase even in American English yet when Lord of the Rings was written. That's what I'm getting Maybe. at. Just there, there, it's entirely possible that that use of the word moot didn't even exist in American English yet. Or wasn't widespread in any way. I wonder what the earliest use of moot point to mean something that doesn't matter was as opposed to something that's up for debate yeah because that's two very different like usages right uses uses usages isn't a word right yeah i i don't think <laughs> so now. i don't i i don't think so Gosh, usage darn it. like usage would be referring to a single use yeah, so plural would be... <laughs> but not not to use that thing, but how much of a force that thing uses <laughs> is its usage, I think. Hang on. Didn't mean to take a deep dive into English language today. Usages versus uses. I always mean to take a deep dive into the English language. Yeah, that is a word. Oh, no, usage, not... Oh, well. Whatever. You can plural... Pluralize anything. Right. Usage is how something is used. The fact of something being used is use. (laughs) That is not a particularly helpful definition. Oh, well. Perfect. English is wonderful... No flaws. It's a beautiful language. <laughs> so clear. Crystal. You know, there's there's not... What's it called? There's... I just learned this the other day because I watch Vsauce videos when I'm bored. Is that the guy with, like, the unnervingly straight teeth? That's another guy. Okay. That is also bald, but he doesn't have a beard. They're both bald and they both wear glasses and you watch them both. And I'm just like... That man has no. The guy with crazy white teeth. The guy with crazy perfect teeth doesn't wear glasses. Oh, okay. I'm just blinded but, uh, by his teeth. <laughs> anyway, sorry. but on Vsauce, there is apparently there's only one of these in the English. I think there's only. I think he says there's only one of these in the English language. There is a word that has seven homonyms. What? They all mean different things. They're all spelt differently, but they're all said the same, and they're homonyms for the word raise. There are, I think there are seven of them. There are seven words said raise, but all mean different things. They're all spelled differently. I can only think of like 
too. He lists them out all on the screen. And I'm like, I've seen all of these words. I know that these words exist. Actually, I can think of three. Like the rays of the sun. Yep. To raise a child. Yep. And raise, like, burn a village down. There's also uh, R-E-I-S, which is obviously a French root. Okay. But it's still an, a word used in English. I'm trying to remember what the other ones are, but I'm having a hard time. <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure there are seven. They're mo- yeah, because you use the word sep. Sept, which is seven. Yes. Yeah. S- something. <laughs> I, I can't remember the rest of that word, but it's there's a specific phrase for homonyms that are like over two. Each one has its own word. Mm. To describe the group of them. That's cool. I learned all these random things from just letting Vsauce play on autoplay on YouTube. It's a very, very insightful channel that also teaches me things I will never use in conversation other than right now. <laughs> well, you have a podcast. Let's talk about words. <laughs> so, yeah, Mary doesn't get it, apparently. Mary is not a student of the English language. He's speaking it. Manish. Whatever. Manish. They're speaking Manish. God, that just sounds horrible. Well, that's just that's just using the root that we use to describe other languages, the way like dwarfish and elvish, and applying it to man. Yeah, so Manish. I know. There's that seems like it would be the correct thing to do. I prefer the D and D root and just Everyone's speaking in this language. It's common. Calling it common is human-centric. <laughs> but, like, Aragorn speaks in, like, Rohanese or whatever, you know? Like, Rohiric. Rohiric, thank you. I knew there was an actual term for it. Yeah. And they're human. Yes, but they have their own dialect. This is um some... Rohiric is a dialect of Manish. Gondor-centric. But, like, the the hobbits have never been to Gondor. No, but they all speak Manish. They all speak the same language. Yep. It's English. It's Manish. <laughs> Technically, because Tolkien envisioned the Lord of the Rings as mythology for England... It is English. It predates it predates all modern languages. If you want to get technical about it, it's ancient history. It's the it'd it's be like pre ancient history. It's like flat Earth history. <laughs> Quite literally. Didn't you meet a flat Earther the other day? No, I read an incredibly long Facebook discussion between a flat Earther and several of my friends. Oh, that sounds delightful. I. Made no comment <laughs> and ate popcorn, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Uh, Just that meme of, of Kermit eating popcorn. Yep. It's not Kermit. I'm pretty sure there's one of Kermit. I think I've seen one. Oh, okay. The one I'm thinking of is, I'm pretty sure it's Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, at the movie theater? Yeah. From the It's from the Thriller music video. Oh, of course it is. Everything's from the it's from the beginning of the thriller music video, and he's watching a horror movie with his date. Uh, we should talk about the minute. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to Dern Dingle. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> you're, you're just going to keep saying that. Yes. <laughs> I am. Because it makes me smile. The word itself makes me smile. The same way that the attachment for a MacBook being called a dongle makes me smile. <laughs> because inside, I'm seven. That's fair. So back in Durndingle. Oh my god. Mary doesn't get it. And Pippin's just kind of looking around. Pippin's just looking around in wonder. That's generally what Pippins do best. Yeah, Per Peregrine Took is a is a man full of wonder. The half man. <laughs> and all these all these ants start coming out of the woods. Mm-hmm. I really like the design of the willow tree ant. Because I like willow trees. But I just think it looks the most whimsical. Which one is it? The willow tree ant. He's in the middle of the frame during one of the shots of the ants coming out of the woods. He's a little further back. He's near the middle. And he just has so many long strands of willow leaves hanging off of him. Mm. I just think it's a very whimsical fairy tale, like storybook design. Right. And pretty much all of the Ents were apparently designed by Alan Lee. That's cool. He did a book, or he did a lot of illustrations for a book of fairies. And Peter Jackson apparently just really likes the look of the the fairies he drew. Mm -hmm. And thinks, when he looks at the Ents, that Alan Lee drew a lot of inspiration from that work he did for that book to design the Ents with. Mm -hmm. He thinks they look very fairy-like. They kind of do. Like tree sprites, but like trees. Right. And this interpretation of Ents is much better than just bark-covered men with leafy beards. Or the carrot. Or the carrot. (laughs) There's something whimsical about carrot tree beard. Um, But it's weird. That's a word. Because it, it's whimsical, I guess. It's is silly, word. whimsical. It's dumb. And dumb. <laughs> Pippin just looks dumbfounded across this minute. He's just his mouth is agape, just looking around. That shot when Mary is just like a gathering of what, and it kind of zooms in really close on him. You can kind of tell that the leaves are fake. Yeah. Which I don't in, remember. In tree beard around him. Yeah, I don't remember if we've talked about that yet because i don't remember if it's looked fake before or maybe not as obviously fake because it definitely doesn't look real a lot of the time like not convincingly real but real enough especially in motion yeah but i think it lingers a little too long so i'm just like oh yeah oh because he like interacts with the branch yeah, he tightens his grip. Yeah. He's nervous. So your attention is drawn to it, and you're just like, oh, yeah, those aren't real leaves. The last time he was in a glade left there by Ents, he was not exactly the safest hobbit. Right, that's true. They got eaten by Old Man Willow. And now a walking willow tree is coming out of the woods. <laughs> back! Back, ye foul creature! Go to sleep! What'd you tell him? What'd you, what was that poem, Tree Beard? And Tree Beard's like, what are you on about? <laughs> That's my friend. Calm down. You'll be safe here in Durndingle. God damn it. Oh my 
my god. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done, Dingle. <laughs> <laughs> done, Dingle? Yeah. You done, Dingles. <laughs> But he name he names some of the Ents. They are just named after trees. Yeah, because they look like trees. But Treebeard is Treebeard. He's not named after a tree. He's the leader, right? Yeah, he's he's in charge. He's in theory. I believe he's the oldest Ent. He's the Entiest of the Ents. He's Father Fangorn, Treebeard. Mm. He's the he's this forest, which is. The last remnant of the forest that used to stretch from Rivendell south to the mountains and then all the way east to the sea. Wow, that's cool. In the book, Elrond uses a phrase. He says, There was once a time when a squirrel could carry a nut from tree to tree from Rivendell to Lorien, I think he says. Mm-hmm. I remember reading in the wiki when I was just looking at trying to find information about Dern Dingle. And I kept spelling it wrong because I couldn't understand what Richard Taylor was saying. (laughs) Just type, like, Dingle and then Lord of the Rings. That's what I eventually did. (laughs) I was trying to figure out what the first part of the phrase was. Because it really sounded like he was saying Durham. Durham Dingle. Like the wheat? Like like grain? Durham grain. I was just like, what are you saying, Richard Taylor? Usually I'm pretty good at picking out what some of these these Kiwi accents are saying, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't understand. (laughs) I listened to the part of the commentary where he names it like six times. Well, it's also like a fake word, so... Right, exactly. (laughs) What are you saying? And so this, this set as well, there's no real trees here at all. Because there's just no forest that looks like this. Right. That they could find. So they had to make all these trees themselves and arrange them around this glade. And they had to... They talk... Richard Taylor talks about the difficulty of ordering grass that was fine enough that on the miniature, quote-unquote, the set where they filmed this, a person standing in it on set would be about as tall compared to the trees as Treebeard. Okay. So they're like six and a half foot tall trees, eight foot tall trees. Wow. They're and like trees. As a miniature, quote unquote. <laughs> and you talk about the difficulty of finding grass to put in this glade that was fine enough that it would look right to the scale of the trees. But they did eventually find one. And he talks about Ready Lawn for a solid two minutes. <laughs> and I, I just, every time they talk about like one in particular thing for that long across several minutes of the commentary, I'm always just like amused and also fascinated. Like the, I, cause it's something I never thought of is finding fine enough grass blades. Yeah, that are real grass, real growing grass to fit the scale of this instead of trying to make their own. So those, that's real growing grass. That just sounds like a pain. Like they're already making eight foot tall trees. They're already making 
real trees. And who knows how many thousands like real of real size trees. Like not like because when I think of miniature, I think of like the little trees you buy at the craft store to put next to your model train. You know, right? But these but trees are like supposed making, to be like trees, <laughs> right? But these are supposed to be like twenty foot tall. Right? Trees. No, I know, but but they're making eight foot trees. Eight feet tall is is pretty tall. Right. I mean, the the Bear Dur set was one one hundred and sixty sixth scale for the miniature, right? And it's still thirty feet tall. I know that's crazy sauce, which is just obscenely massive. Mm-hmm. And the the smallest Helms Helms Deep miniature was one one hundred and thirty fifth scale. Oh no, no one one thirty fifth scale, not one hundred and thirty fifth. Right? I had that written down. I said it last week. 135th is what you said. Yeah, 135th, not 1 135th. I just oh. said 1 135th. Oh. Yeah, oh. The, the smallest one to deep. 35. Yeah, a fraction, 135th. 135th scale. This is the smallest Helm's Deep. So, and that miniature is probably not really that much larger than the Baradur miniature, and it's a 35th scale. Where the Baradur one is. 166th right. scale. Or something like that. It's it's some stupidly large number. Right. They gotta find baby grass. They gotta find baby grass. For the for Dern Dingle. <laughs> oh my god. Close out the minute. <laughs> so some other podcasts you can find <laughs> that don't take place in Dern Dingle. Oh my but god. But are on dueling genre. Are oh the protagonist podcast, Doctor's Companion, Geek by Night, Immunities, Having a Friend for Dinner, which is about Hannibal. Having a Friend for Durndingle. <laughs> Having a Friend for Durndingle. <laughs> Durndingle's Companion. No. No. We'll be back tomorrow. No. Still won't. in Durndingle. Oh my god. How many times have we said it this episode? I'm going to guess 25. (laughs) And you know what? I probably won't remember to count during editing. That's fine. Bye. Bye.